0: Welcome to Dreamland, a program dedicated to an examination of areas in the human experience not easily nor neatly put in a box. Things seen at the edge of vision, awakening a part of the mind as yet not mapped, and yet things every bit as real as the air we breathe but don't see this is dreamland sunday evening and once again dreamland good evening everybody i'm art bell from the high desert and boy do we have a program planned for you this evening all kinds of interesting things beginning with a linda howe report which was uh, taped at our affiliate which we want to give uh, certainly want to give credit for in roswell new mexico we will do that uh... we will also speak briefly with peter davenport who is the director of the National UFO Reporting Center up in Seattle and I'll tell you what there have been a lot of sightings we are in a definite flurry right in the middle of it right now first thing i'd like to do though is to welcome a whole bevy of new radio stations to uh the Dreamland program and they are as follows WQBEAM in Charleston West Virginia welcome to the network great to have you with us I think you're going to enjoy dreamland it is a very different kind of program as you're about to find out WMFD am in Wilmington North Carolina welcome to dreamland they are 630 on the dial in Wilmington KTIX am in Pendleton Oregon welcome to the network Uh, let's see there 1240 on the dial Uh, W-A-R-D-A-M in Pittston, Pennsylvania. That's W-A-R-D in Pittston, Pennsylvania. And uh, there are 1550 on the dial. Welcome. W-I-N-I. That'd be Winnie? W-I-N-I-A-M in Murfreesboro, Illinois. Interesting, we've got a Murfreesboro, Tennessee and a Murfreesboro, Illinois now. Two Murfreesboros. What are the odds of that? They're t- uh, 1420 on the dial. Welcome. I think you're going to enjoy it. This is, seems like a lot. I know it is. This program is growing uh, very quickly. W L M A A M in Greenwood, South Carolina. Welcome to Dreamland. Uh, for now, a total of 125 affiliates on Dreamland. Minus, of course, whatever baseball takes away by its nightly exhibition of boredom, where that preempts us. And so in just a moment, (laughs) that was quite a bit, wasn't it, Uh, Linda Howe. We all know that, and now as I told you, actually uh, Linda Howe is right now uh, in the air, flying in the air. But uh, she has gone over to our affiliate, KBIM, in Roswell, New Mexico, and recorded a very, very interesting report for us. So here it is.
1: Hi, Art. I'm in Roswell, New Mexico this Fourth of July weekend to participate in the first annual Roswell UFO Encounter. There's everything here from parades and art fairs to a laser show and some serious discussions about what happened here nearly 50 years ago that grabbed the world's attention. Back in 1947, on July 8th, then Army Air Force Bombardier and Public Information Officer Walter Hott delivered an official Roswell Army Air Force press release to the media which said that a, quote, flying saucer, unquote, had crashed on a ranch northwest of Roswell, New Mexico. And that headline made evening newspapers, including the Chicago Daily News and the Los Angeles Herald Express. But by the next morning headlines, a news story emerged that what fell on that ranch was only a weather balloon, not a flying disc. Today, nearly 50 years later, the issue of a government cover-up still rages. And with me is nuclear physicist Stanton Friedman, who has been investigating this case since 1978. Welcome to Dreamland again.
2: I'm glad to be on again, Linda.
1: Well, what is the latest on New Mexico Congressman Stephen Schiff's request for the Government Accounting Office to investigate the Roswell crash and make a report?
2: Well, the rumors for weeks were that yesterday we would get the GAO report finally. Thank goodness was the thought, you know, a, a year and a half. Uh, now my inside sources tell me it probably won't be re- ready until August. What's going to be in it? I don't know. Nobody else seems to know. We do know that Congressman Schiff uh, gave specific instructions to the GAO not long ago as to what things they must cover. So whether it's going to be a little report, a big report, whether it's going to have anything useful that they might have found, I do know that the GAO stirred up a lot of government agencies about going through old records. And I know that, for example, out of the blue, I get a letter from the uh, Army Counterintelligence, the Army uh, Freedom of Information Act office. Requests that I had made several years ago for counterintelligence course stuff on uh, UFOs where I was told they had nothing. Out of the blue, oh, we did another search years later and we found all this stuff. Here you can have copies free. Nothing terribly exciting.
1: But all about flying discs.
2: All about flying discs. In 1947, the U.S. government was asking all over Germany for people to find anything about German technology that might be related to this. Find these investigators, find those investigators. So at least, and I know from talking to the GAO, that they had stirred up the counterintelligence corps people. So who knows how many boxes of good stuff are sitting around in somebody's junkyard, so to speak.
1: And how much we might get that's really serious in this GAO report, and that leads to, could this delay be related to the now very controversial emergence of alleged uh, 16-millimeter film of, quote-unquote, non-human bodies in an autopsy that has been screened at least partly by some people in london in may Uh, there's supposed to be another screening of more footage in august and a release on at least english television sometime in late august could this be why this GAO report has been delayed it
2: certainly could be one of the reasons because that's gotten an awful lot of attention Other ones might be that, uh, for example, the rumor is that the Air Force is ready to strike again with another attempted preemptive strike. Uh, You remember last September, they came out with that 24-page paper uh, saying it was just mogul balloon. Now, there were so many lies and misrepresentations in that paper. I don't know how they could look themselves in the face. Specific ones, I've done a 27-page paper on it. Uh, And it may well be that they're trying to cover all bases with this thing. But the English footage has stirred things up, and there are documentaries being made. There's an enormous amount of junk on the Internet. You know, we have this great contrast. Modern technology is wonderful. I just recently finished a CD-ROM disc, and it's more information than you could put in five videos and ten books. And it's great to have it in one little disc if you've got the equipment to play it.
1: But what's on the Internet is not always truth.
2: No, uh, much of what's on the Internet isn't truth, and I've been the victim of some of these lies. They said I saw the footage. I didn't. Did meet with the owner, Mr. Santelli, twice a month and I did not see the footage.
1: But we have seen some photos here. Oh yeah,
2: people have seen chunks of footage, and there are new ones that have been released. Still, they're playing this game beautifully. If you want, of course, in public relations, how to tout something to try to get a lot of money out of it, they played it wonderfully. And the most recent thing was that they were going to show it to ten senators two days ago. Uh, since. Senate is in session, it seems very unlikely and there's no indication that that actually
1: happened. But it could be why this postponement on the GAO report, maybe someone in Washington is looking at the Santilli film.
2: Yes. But one thing that's clear here, certainly the Air Force attack and some subsequent statements that have been made by others, the government seems still bound and determined to keep their secrets. That was a vicious, strong response from the Air Force. It was in violation of all the rules that the GAO had laid down. The Air Force was supposed to make their stuff available to the GAO. And we hear scuttlebutt from other places that people have been threatened. One witness that I had talked to years ago said uh, he can't talk. He got phone calls.
1: After the release of the Santilli film.
2: No, just before that, but after the release of last fall's Air Force
1: thing. About Project Mogul being the answer to what was first reported as the crash of a flying saucer.
2: Yeah, and the Mogul explanation doesn't hold up, and people who look at the cases know that it doesn't hold up. Now, one hope, and it's the kind of thing that could happen as a result of this festival down here, is that new witnesses will finally come forward, hearing that so many other people are talking, why shouldn't they? One of the things that worries me, of course, is that could mean that new phony witnesses come forth. Just as the police have people who only confess the crimes, so how to sort this out when you don't have a budget becomes very difficult.
1: And if the government is perpetuating yet a second lie over the first lie, it raises an even bigger question. Why, 50 years later, would the government still have a policy of silence on something that would seem so fundamental to a democracy which would be sharing at least information about contact with something other than human
2: and you know the pictures of the bodies don't look frightening that's the strange thing there's nothing threatening about that and and the latest word is that this stuff was really sort of counterintelligence footage prepared for the u.s. government and you really want a strange story apparently somebody from uh, republic of china that is taiwan i'm sorry in japan went to Mr. Santoli and said, hey, they'd seen this footage before. They'd gotten it in exchange for supplying good UFO footage to the CIA. And along with this is the word that maybe this was prepared many years ago as a backup just in case something happened that the story broke, that they could put out this garbage. And once it was exposed, that would kill the whole thing, just like uh, the Hitler Diaries. You know, it was right. a terrible disaster for the media and they kept their hands off that stuff. So.
1: I too have received some information from an alleged inside government source who has warned me saying, be careful of this film, not denying that there was a crash, not denying that there were bodies in a disc, but to be careful about the current emergence of film and that what may follow in the next year or two may be emergence of really more accurate, more valid information. And this may be a test of public waters right now. And I think what we all have to do is stand back and watch. And over the next few weeks on Dreamland, depending upon what kind of report comes from the GAO and any other sources, we'll be reporting on Dreamland. And we'll be coming back to you, Stanton, for the latest and the updates.
2: I'll look forward to it.
1: Thanks. And Art, Walter Hot told me that he's going to keep doing these UFO encounters here at least through July 1997, the 50th year after this alleged crash of a flying saucer. And between now and then, let's hope that finally we're going to see real photographs, real film, and maybe finally an admission by the United States government about something that did happen on that ranch outside of Corona near Roswell in July of 1947 that will finally begin to crack open this whole big issue. If we're not alone in the universe, what is out there and why is it interacting with our planet?
0: All right. Well, I'm not holding my breath on that, but I am wanting to thank again our affiliate KBIM and Roswell and uh, Linda Howe for her report. Stan Friedman, of course, is a nuclear physicist uh, very much involved in the whole study of UFOs. So that was a good interview. Coming up in just one moment is the director of the National UFO Reporting Center, a um, uh, Peter Davenport uh, up in Seattle. And uh, believe me, there's a lot going on. He's going to tell us about it. Following that, Elaine Stevens, who has written a brand new book uh, that I think you're going to find fascinating, we're going to be talking about people who have lived before. How many of you out there think you may have lived before? We'll talk to Elaine about that show up to Seattle now. And let's say good evening, Peter Davenport. Hi.
3: Good evening, Art. How are you?
0: Fine. Very well, indeed. Delightful to be back.
3: And uh, it's always a privilege to be on Dreamland. It's a high honor to be addressing so many of our countrymen. Thank on this. you most uniquely American holiday.
0: Peter, I uh, the holiday began, I guess, really with my program, Friday night, Saturday morning, the regular syndicated program I do. Mm-hmm. The whole night, uh, Peter, was filled with UFO reports. Um, something's going on out there.
3: There is something going on. The hotline in Seattle has been so busy over the last four months that uh, when I was preparing for this program, I almost didn't know where to begin which cluster of sightings to start reporting. But what I'd like to do is just comment on the few words we just heard from Stan Friedman and uh, Linda Howe, if I could. Absolutely. Um, They're both going to be in Seattle next weekend for the annual MUFON, Mutual UFO Network International Symposium. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing them both here. Uh our listeners might want to have something to write with nearby because I'm going to be giving that number out where they can call to make reservations if they'd like to come and join us in mm-hmm. Seattle. It's going to be a most exciting program up here. But one comment I wanted to make about what Stan Friedman and Linda were just saying is, you know, our president could stop all of this debate very easily if he were simply to make a statement, preferably in writing, To the effect that anybody who works for the United States government, who knows anything about UFOs, is free to speak, and moreover, should speak on this subject. I think it's high time, and it seems appropriate to be making this point on a holiday that is supposed to celebrate the preeminence of the American people over their government and their public servants it seems appropriate at that time to be appealing to our government in fact more than appealing insisting that they come clean on this subject of UFOs over
0: America well you're in the hot spot I mean you get all the reports so you you tell me is this real is this uh, some mass hypnotic problem people are having is it um what is your honest assessment after getting all these reports yeah I am certainly in a cat seat on the hotline here in Seattle.
3: It is fascinating. We are getting clusters of reports from all over the uh, country, and uh, I will be playing, if we have enough time, I will be playing short excerpts from a couple of the reports that I've received in the last several months. And we'll leave it up to our listeners to decide for themselves whether these people who are calling... One is a senior pilot for an American-based airline. Mm -hmm. The other is an FAA air traffic controller somewhere in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. I'll be playing brief uh, 30-second or 60-second vignettes from what they had to say regarding what they saw, and our listeners can decide for themselves.
0: All right, we've only got about a minute. Uh, What's the hottest thing that's happened lately?
3: I would say the hottest thing is the cluster of calls we got on the 15th of March, the Ides of March. Shakespeare was correct. Beware of the Ides of March. Hmm. We took calls from eight states over the course of about two hours. And to cut to the chase, it appears to us that a blue-green egg-shaped ship, a ship that is covered eight states in approximately 12 minutes. Where? Uh, from Jacksonville, Florida, up Washington, D.C., out to uh, Jefferson City, Missouri, Illinois, and Jackson, Tennessee. That was all in 12 minutes. It was streaking overhead at a low altitude. Most recently, we took a call from Adair County in southwest Iowa. Two young gentlemen were chasing up to 12 lights that were seen to land on farmland. The next day, we took calls from Cameron, Missouri, from the, specifically from the police out there, they had a sighting that was so, so bizarre that an emergency response team.
0: All right, I, I actually that one I want to hear about. All right, hold on, uh, stay right where you are. Peter Davenport will be right back to you. Packing a lot into tonight's Dreamland. Listen, a very special issue of our newsletters coming out. If you don't order it by midnight tonight, you won't get it. The number is one eight hundred nine one seven four two seven eight one. Eight hundred nine one seven four two seven eight
4: from the Kingdom of Nine. You're hearing Dreamland with Art Bell. To participate in the program, call toll-free 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers, area code 702-727-1222. Or the wildcard line at 702-727-1295. This is the CBC Radio Network. Certainly is. Now back to
0: the director of the National UFO Reporting Center, in Seattle, Peter Davenport, and uh, Peter, I've, I've just got a quick fax here. Art, I uh, just wanted to get this in before you bring Mr. Davenport uh, on from Seattle. Unusual flurries of UFO activity, such as is being reported in Seattle, is often but not always connected with impending earth change activity. Is he aware of any seismic activity around May- uh, Mount Rainier?
3: There's been a lot of discussion in the local press about a bulge that appears to be growing on, I think it's on the northwest side of Mount Rainier, but we're out of my field. I don't know a thing about volcanoes. I don't know a thing about earthquakes.
0: All right, well, that's that's close enough. Uh, we've got a small amount of time, so if you would, the story about the police, uh, I, I heard that before, and it's fascinating. Tell it. It,
3: it is fascinating. It will spintingly report. Thirteen nights ago, we got a report from a young gentleman in southwest Iowa, He recounted to me about a five-hour period on the preceding night when he and another gentleman were pursuing some strange ships, strange lights in the sky in southwestern Iowa. Well, it was only one report, so you mentally put a double asterisk by it and hope that somebody else calls to confirm it. Well, my wishes were fulfilled. The next morning, Wednesday, the 21st of June, I got a call from the Cameron, Missouri Police Department very nice young police officer called to report a cluster of events that they had experienced and recorded out there. They had an emergency dispatch team, an ambulance, a fire truck, and some police and highway patrolmen have something go right over them apparently. The object was seen from many points in the state of Missouri. They To cut to the chase, they spent two hours on foot looking for the debris from what they Concluded must have been some kind of crash, some kind of airliner that had sure. hit the ground. Sure,
5: sure.
3: They found nothing.
0: Nothing.
3: This police officer who was very kind to call us uh, just received an excellent written report from him in yesterday's mail, described his investigation of the events, and I am satisfied that something extremely bizarre took place there. The next morning, three young men, teenagers, walked into the police station and reported... Their events, what they had seen the night before, southwest of Cameron, Missouri, and the object was streaking above their heads for apparently two hours. Wow. And this object is an object that I believe we have had reported to us in the past over the last four or five months.
0: Peter, that- when you say streaking, uh, you know, in my mind, streaking means streaking almost from one horizon to the other, so it must have been doing a dance.
3: Yes. Apparently, it was moving very fast at one point, at another time it was just hovering motionless in the night sky. Uh-huh. So the, the phenomenon is very bizarre, it's very difficult to describe four months of calls in just the few minutes we have here.
0: Alright, you had a couple of reports, do you want to go ahead and try and air one of those?
3: Let me play just a brief report we took on the 15th of March this year. This comes from a retired senior airline pilot who saw something very close to the nation's capital and uh it's very interesting here we go about 40 seconds worth of report
0: all right now from peter davenport this was at twenty seven, uh-huh. and we were heading
6: approximately 250 degrees on we were heading westbound on route 123 approaching chain bridge road in mclean virginia uh-huh and we saw this real bright object we first noticed it about 35 degrees above the horizon okay And it went all the way to the horizon. Mm -hmm. It was white, and it looked like to us it had like a little greenish tint. That that... report
3: goes on for about 20 minutes, but Uh that object that was seen descending almost vertically, just west of Washington, Mm D.C., seconds later went streaking over a woman's head in West Virginia, the town of Westover, West Virginia, right on the Pennsylvania border. Right. Within seconds, perhaps minutes, it was over Jefferson City, Missouri. Then it turned back east after hovering over Jefferson City for about seven seconds.
0: Well, oh, see, this is where suddenly it becomes not an, a re-entering object, not uh, uh, not the space shuttle, not uh, a, a space station mirror or a satellite. Those things don't turn around and go anywhere. That
3: is correct. It went over St. Louis. It St. Louis, Missouri, It gave rise to hundreds, perhaps thousands, of calls to the 911 service there. It stopped over Collinsville, Illinois, for about 40 seconds. Hmm. It then streaked down to Jackson, Tennessee. At least this is our presumed, the presumed track of the object. It was seen to hover over Jackson, Tennessee, for about 30 seconds. At that point, it spewed out a huge cloud of red sparks and the last thing the witness saw of it, it was streaking southwest from Tennessee. That was the 15th of March this year, and we've taken many, many calls very similar to the one you just heard.
0: Well, we're sure in the middle of something.
3: Something is going on, that is for sure. But oh, All right, uh, Peter,
0: we're way short on time here, so we're going to have to scoot. Um, we're going to have to have you on as a guest, and we'll go through and take a lot more time and... uh Uh, go through a lot of the reports that I know you have that sounds fine I'm going
3: to be at the convention in Seattle next weekend 7th, 8th and 9th of July people would like to come and join us it's a very exciting program telephone number to call in Seattle is 488-3805 that's 488-3805 and thanks
0: very much thank you Peter, Peter Davenport and um, he's the national director of the UFO Reporting Center there and I'm telling you folks we're really going through it right now All right, moving on, hypnotherapist, Elaine Stevens, author, her book, Whispers of the Mind. She's given seminars, presentations at adult education facilities, the University of Nevada, Texas Women's University, Truckee Meadows Community College, Southwest Hypnosis Convention, uh, a teacher of self-hypnosis, there we go, for health and learning, Endorsed by Dr. Brian Weiss, author and psychiatrist. So, uh, now to Elaine Stevens, and uh, I believe that Elaine is in Reno, Nevada. Is that correct, Elaine? That's correct. Welcome to the program.
7: Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
0: Um, Elaine... uh, First of all, uh, you may want to comment uh, before we get into anything else on some of what you've heard here at the beginning of the program. We appear to be going through a real flurry of uh, UFO activity in the country right now.
7: Which is very interesting to me. Uh, A lot of the people that I have worked with in hypnosis uh, in either doing a past life regression session with them Uh, in one instance, I was doing, uh, what I call a hair of self session where the person was seeking guidance from within themselves. And in many, many, uh, cases, people will spontaneously remember contact that they've had Hmm. either earlier in this life or strangely enough even in past lives all right well I, i'm so, really
0: curious about that how do you bump into that in other words <laughs> I, I, I assume that normally when you do hip, hypnotherapy mm-hmm. you're doing it for rather mundane reasons you know to help them quit smoking or to lose right. weight or something like that habits. Right. Uh, how do you suddenly either bump into somebody's past life or Uh, Even more interestingly, uh, some sort of contact with ETs.
7: Well, what happens is I I work at uh, very deep intuitive levels with people and teach self-hypnosis and guide clients into memories of past lives, specifically on purpose. Oh, to help so them understand the present.
0: Also, in other words, you're aware of it and using it as some of my other guests have uh, as, as therapy, past life uh, uh, mistakes for current life improvement.
7: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then, but when the UFO things come up, that's something I was in. I had a practice in Houston, Texas for eight years before I moved to Nevada. And uh, for the first eight years of my practice, I did not encounter even one case, which was very interesting to me.
0: Do you think that's because you didn't try, or you weren't aware, or you weren't digging for a past life, or why would there not have been?
7: No, I was doing a lot of past life regression, but nothing had come up around UFOs. I
0: see, I see. Well, I'm even interested, uh, very interested, Elaine, mm -hmm. in how you fell into the discovery of the whole past life Uh, phenomenon, did it happen one day suddenly with a patient, or (laughs) did you read about it in a book and try it yourself, or what happened?
7: Well, the first time I ever used hypnosis was for childbirth. I have a son, uh, Michael, and he was born with hypnosis as the anesthetic, so that was my introduction to the tool of hypnosis. And then uh, many years later, probably when he was about 10, uh, I read a book, and the book talked about remembering past lives while in hypnosis Hmm. and i was absolutely incredibly blown away and thought "Woo! not only can you have a baby you can remember a past life this is what i want to study
0: well let me understand what hypnosis is Mm I recall the Lamaze, is it the Lamaze method, I think it's yes, I call mm-hmm. it, the breathing and the concentration. Right, right. Is that a form of hypnosis?
8: Well, it
7: is, yes. Anytime that you focus your concentration on your breathing, uh, on a candle flame, in, uh, when you're working with a hypnotherapist, on the sound of their voice, uh, you're altering your brainwave pattern.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, right now, we're both in beta consciousness, very conscious and alert. But if we began to relax our physical body without any direction from anyone, Mm -hmm. what will automatically happen is that you slow down that cycle per second brainwave activity and drift into what's known as an alpha state. And that's simply a state of relaxation, Um, many straight driving manuals, caution, beware of road hypnosis. That's true. Yeah.
0: That's true. And so it's really just sort of a... A, a concentration exercise mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is, is that in a correct? state
7: of relaxation a simple thing we experience going to sleep and awakening we go through all those brainwave patterns uh it's a natural inherent ability that everyone on the planet uh, has command of
0: all right well bev- I, I still want to i've never really properly understood hypnosis i've read a couple of books on it and i've Mm -hmm. watched these people up on stage you know the uh...
7: oh yes i love them (laughs) (laughs) do you (laughs) um
0: is that a different or greater level or deeper level of hypnosis than the kind of uh concentration exercise we just talked about
7: well what it is a stage hypnotist is really a very skilled hypnotist and what they do is they can um, they'll they'll ask for volunteers. Have you ever been to a show and seen a stage? I Pittsburgh? have, yes. Uh-huh. Generally, they ask for volunteers from the audience. Maybe thirty people will go up on stage, and they can talk with them, and they can talk in what's known as sort of a voice role, and they can be uh, sort of suggesting things and and just seeing how suggestible those people are. Uh, there are very quick things you can do to determine. Uh, someone's suggestibility level. You could ask everyone to stand with their hands out in front of them, sure. walk down the row, push on their hands. Those who offer the least resistance would be the most suggestible. And you would eliminate any people in a stage show who were not extremely suggestible. Uh, they say that about 10% of the population has the ability to achieve what's known as a somnambulistic level state. That's a very deep level of hypnosis. And it's from that state that uh, suggestions given by a stage hypnotist are acted upon. So in other words,
0: out of 30, they find several really good candidates. Really
7: good subjects. And that's who they do their show with.
0: I've got you. Uh, uh-huh. So then it is the people themselves that are able to go into a deeper state rather yes. than uh, the, the ability of the hypno, hypnotherapist to take everybody to that same
7: deep it, state. Yeah, you can't take everyone to that state. And what's happening is a demonstration, really, of the incredible power of the human mind.
0: Um, All right, they, how would you characterize somebody who, in effect, can't, can't be hypnotized, Elaine? Uh, is that person... Uh, do they simply have a very strong will or the inability to concentrate or and relax? Uh, how do you characterize them? Are a, would you characterize them as a strong person or an obstinate person or what?
7: I would uh, characterize them as someone who is afraid of losing control. Uh, I never hypnotize anyone without first fully explaining the process and what my role is in it and... Uh, having them be very, very aware of the fact that they are in control. And I even give a suggestion on all the hypnosis tapes I create in every session I do, that if you're uncomfortable for any reason, you'll simply open your eyes and be wide awake. And that suggestion can be followed by a person should they choose, you know, to bring themselves out of hypnosis.
0: Fascinating. All right, hold tight just a moment. We'll be right back to you a couple of more questions about hypnosis, things I've always wanted to know, and then we'll get into the past life business. That's really something. Stay right there. North American GMX, back now to Elaine. I can't remember the uh, name of the, the uh, movie, Elaine, but there have been a lot of movies about... A mind control, making people do things they don't want to do now you said somebody doesn't want to be hypnotized or they're uncomfortable they just open their eyes Mm -hmm. but could a skilled hypnotherapist uh, convince somebody uh, for example I'm going to give you an example that um, uh, somebody on this earth is such an evil person this person is virtually a modern day Hitler this person uh is evil incarnate and must die and could you, through a series of sessions, convince a person of that finally uh depositing with them some sort of post hypnotic suggestion to kill that person
7: well uh, I hate to uh think that's possible, however, I do believe it's possible I thought so uh let me tell you though um tests have been done with people who are very that sonambulistic level subject that i spoke of earlier yes correct uh tests have been done with someone who's in that level of hypnosis and if that's an average person who does not have murder in their heart um and would not kill i'm uh i don't believe i would kill someone i probably would to protect my own life or the life of someone I loved.
0: Right, but uh, through a series of proper uh, post you
7: Yes, if you had access to someone at that level. Mm-hmm. But in the tests that I've read about that have been done, uh, a somnambulistic level subject will be told, um, you're in danger, lying beside you is a knife, mm-hmm. I am going to harm you, pick the knife up and defend yourself, stab me the subject will reach over and pick up the knife they will draw it back as though they're intending to stab someone Mm -hmm. and then they will drop it in confusion and bring themselves out of hypnosis and not understand what's happening
0: all right but that was a one session attempt Exactly. if you spent a very long time uh, with a person many sessions
7: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. you you're telling me it would be possible
7: Yes. Think of what happens to prisoners of war. Think of the exactly. the way their minds are altered, and or anyone who becomes a prisoner. Uh, uh, the Hearst woman, you know. Patty Hearst, yeah. Yeah, Patty Hearst, when 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 she was held captive. I read the what they call it—the
0: Stockholm syndrome.
7: Exactly, exactly. And so the mind is a, a a very very powerful tool, and we can use it as either healer or slayer. And each of us has to take responsibility for how we direct it. And hopefully we do not fall in the hands of someone uh, at, that it operates at such a low level.
0: Are there many people uh, in your field, or even any, and I certainly don't want names,
7: <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> uh,
0: who you would consider to be uh, less than ethical in, in the way they practice?
7: Uh I think that there are people who use hypnosis as a power tool um, who who do not really communicate accurately how the tool works and does not explain to their client or subject that it is the subject's mind that is being worked with with techniques that the hypnotist knows. and any changes that are affected if if you go to a hypnotist to stop smoking. Mm. The hypnotist it can it can't lock you in a closet and keep you there to keep you from smoking. The suggestions are planted in your mind and you then act on those suggestions. So I think that I think the probably the thing that I see
0: But that that really does come down to making somebody do something they don't really want to do.
7: But that's just the trick. You can't make someone do something. Like if you came to me and said, well, I want to stop smoking.
0: Well, I do smoke and I'd love to stop. And <laughs> okay. I, you know, I say that, I mouth that, but really, you know, and, I, I you love really my don't. cigarettes. Yeah. I, I really don't. And so uh, you could uh, hypnotize me till the cows come home.
7: And, and no change would be affected.
0: Well, then what are you really doing? Because unless I've made up my mind that I really want to quit when I come to you,
7: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you can't get me to quit.
7: That's true. But I've <laughs> I, I don't mean
0: to be so rough on you here. But <laughs>
7: well, no, that's okay. I worked with a woman one time, uh, really, uh, a woman that was lying in a hospital bed. And she had had one foot amputated and the other foot was next. And the, her, she was a smoker. Uh-huh. And her physician said, you have got to stop
4: right. because
7: that creates a problem with the blood flow. Right. It constricts pain, I am sure and she that. even with that motivation, I mean we we' we're talking about a woman with one foot missing and another about to be chopped off.
0: still she smoked.
7: and still she smoked. Mm-hmm. I went into the my daughter happened to be um, uh, a patient in the hospital at the time also, and she said to her, "Oh, my mom can help you." Hmm. And I went in, of course, to see my child, and and she said, "Mama, you know this woman's having a problem. They're going to cut and blow." And I said, "Oh, I said if you would like, I would be happy to bring my equipment to the hospital. All right, Elaine, we'll have, we've
0: got to hold the story right there. We're okay, going to break point. Stay right there, Elaine. And now back to Elaine Stevens. Elaine, are you yes. there? Good. I'm here. All right, good. Please ask your guest the following question, and you deal with minds a lot. Yes. Would the revelation that beings exist from any other place in the universe shatter the foundations of human society here and now in other words religious uh... uh people um, uh, would be thrown into a tizzy the entire structure of the human belief system into chaos how would people handle it
7: well i think that we're uh, far more flexible than we're given credit for And uh, thousands upon thousands of people are having contact, and they're not thrown into a tizzy. As a matter of fact, they're very powerful, strong people uh, to have that kind of knowledge and be able to function in a world that chooses, for the most part, not to believe that.
0: Well, you know, Elaine, I... I listen to you, and um, you sound so sure of yourself, and, uh, <laughs> and and you've talked to so many people, and mm-hmm. I do shows like this all the time, mm-hmm. and this gives people out there opportunities to take pot shots at me, which they do all the time.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: If I were a pincushion, I'd be full, that's okay, I don't mind. <laughs> uh, what do you run into? Are you criticized for working in these, uh, uh, even for a hip- hypnotherapist, uh, sort of different areas?
7: Well, I've gotten used to it. Uh, consider the fact that the first work I did and was drawn to as a hypnotist was to work with Exploring Past Lives. I've gotten, uh, I've been, I don't know, sort of ridiculed or looked down upon. People mm-hmm. have been disdainful with my personal belief system and how I conduct my life, and that's fine. Uh, I I work from... Uh, my own belief system and that sustains me i really don't care what other people think if each of us needs to create whatever belief system works for us and uh if we differ we're going to differ that's okay we can agree to disagree uh i no longer get into uh mexican stands off with people and and going to fight them to the death over it i don't care if people believe they've lived past lives or not um The second chapter in my book is titled, I think I made that up.
0: Do you know uh, Dr. Bruce Goldberg or know of his work? Oh, yes, of course.
7: Mm -hmm. I don't know him personally, but I have read his book.
0: He does past and future life. uh, Yes, I've done future lives also. Oh, you have. Oh, of course. Well, (laughs) let's begin with past lives. All right. Elaine, what is the best evidence uh, that you've run into personally? I mean, this is, I know of no greater question for humankind and that is whether our soul lives on once these physical uh, bodies uh, end, whether there really is more or not. It's a pretty big question, Elaine. You must have answered it for yourself.
7: Yes. I think uh, I've done probably thousands of regressions at this point, And in every past life regression that I conduct, I always, um, at the end of the session, direct the person to the last day of their life. And and then to what happens beyond that last day. And first off, our culture is frightened to death of death. We fear death as though we're not going to... With some, if we get scared enough, we won't have to do it.
0: That's because we think it's terminal. In other words, exactly. Th- the great blackness.
7: The great blackness. But what I've discovered uh, in guiding people through uh, their own death experience in a previous lifetime is that there's always, I don't care if they die peacefully at home in their bed, uh, surrounded by family who are there to nurture and love them through the experience, or if they die on a battlefield run through by a sword or uh, trampled by wild horses. It doesn't matter how they die. The experience is always the same. And the experience is one uh, where they're immediately peaceful and calm and surrounded with light and love,
0: would you and add, there's no fear. Would you add the word aware?
7: Oh, yes. Absolutely.
0: I mean, that's what everybody wants to know. Once you've died, is there an awareness? There is
7: an awareness. There is, uh, in my mind, no death. None at all. Um, I had a friend, a very close friend, um, who died several years ago. And I went down and spent time with him um, the last month before he died. Right. And I asked him, um, "What? where's your heart, where's your head? Uh, I feel badly that I have my life, and it's obviously going to continue for a while longer than yours. I don't know why you're leaving now, but how do you feel?
8: Mm-hmm.
7: And he, he said, uh, my greatest fear is that it will be like when you leave a room and you turn off a light switch. Yeah, it's light and then it's dark there will be nothing Yeah, and I just said oh wow you know I don't know how I can convince you at this point or what words I can give you but I can promise you I promise you I have guided thousands of people through their death and that is not what will happen you have lived your life with tremendous love and caring and you will be greeted with that same caring the moment breath ceases in your body. What does? And I know that.
0: As best you know, Elaine, uh-huh. what does happen when you die? When that final breath leaves your body,
7: mm-hmm.
0: what, what happens to you?
7: Uh, the, the first thing that happens is that people float out of their body. Uh, they generally are floating um, near the ceiling of the room. They look down at their body. My first question is, how do you feel now? Peaceful. It's okay. Hmm. Yeah, so it's, it it doesn't, and and I just, I, aren't I going to be surprised when I die if in fact that's not what happened?
0: No, you won't, because it'll be like throwing a switch off, Elaine. So
7: you'll never be up <laughs> I'll, I'll there be saying you'll be sitting there in the black.
0: You'll never be saying, "Gee, I screwed that one up."
7: <laughs> <laughs> but it gives me comfort while I live.
0: All right, I like that. I like really hard questions. Uh, okay. And I'm, here's one for you, Elaine.
7: All right. Uh, you may
0: have seen a piece on 60 Minutes not very long ago. Actually, there's two I want to refer to. All right. Because they both got to me. One was of a lady who had an aneurysm in her brain. Yes. The aneurysm, did you see it? No, I didn't. Okay. The aneurysm was, you know, a big bulbous thing in her brain. Right. And the doctors determined that to operate on her uh, would burst it and she would die. Mm-hmm. So it was inoperable except they have this amazing new procedure where they reduce the temperature of your body Mm -hmm. and they did in her case Mm -hmm. drained all of the blood, I said all of the blood from her body Um, she went flat line no brain waves no heartbeat no um, uh, air into the lungs nothing Mm -hmm. for about 40 minutes about 40 minutes Um, now, the reason they did that is, uh, once they drained the blood from her body, there was no more blood pressure, hence the, um, uh, the aneurysm collapsed, and they were then able to excise it and uh, sew her up, and... but the interesting part, Elaine, is that for 40 minutes, she was flat line. They warmed up her blood, and they put it back in her body, and as they did, with no additional revival um, uh, techniques you know paddles or any of that right her all her uh, signs came back um, her brain waves began once again, her heart beat, and she was breathing. she was back alive as a matter of fact, she's cured now she's not the only one uh that they have done this to, and my question is for those forty minutes
7: mm-hmm.
0: where was she
7: I hope out of that body. <laughs> I will assume out of that body. And um perhaps I would love to talk with her. I would love to know. I would love to do hypnosis with her and see what in fact if we could if we could find out what she was doing during that 40 minutes and perhaps she experienced what a uh, a great many people study and write about now called near death experiences. Yes. And um That's an incredible, life-changing experience of its own. Uh, The story certainly makes you uh, applaud science and the things we can do to help people now. The story also makes me think we must have incredible assistance from many levels that we cannot even imagine to be able to do such a thing with someone.
0: Yes. Uh, All right, again, you, as a practice, take people into past lives in order to help them with current lives. Yes um... you said earlier that it doesn't matter how somebody died
7: mm-hmm.
0: whether it was peacefully in bed without pain or whether some horrible accident happened to them what about what about ghosts elaine uh... entities that appear to be still here on earth for one reason or another and generally when the death has been violent
1: mm-hmm.
0: or there's been um, great some great trauma uh... even unfulfilled love something really emotionally important at the moment of this violent death uh... they seem to remain now is there anything to that or would you just say i don't believe in ghosts
7: oh no i i would say i live in virginia city nevada
0: there um, <laughs> oh, there is a famous ghost up near you.
7: Lots and lots of famous ghosts. I live in a house that was built in the 1800s, uh-huh. and I don't think I live alone. <laughs> um, I think that what happens at a soul level is that if there's a trauma uh, at the time of death, or as you say, if there is a longing uh, for a person or a place, yes, I think that at a soul level, that person is trapped at the earth plane level uh, one of the things that happened to me when i first began to become more intuitive so
0: in other words elaine there are exceptions to what you said earlier not everybody has a peaceful transition apparently or at least it doesn't sound like to me if you're stuck down here with pain rattling behind
7: <laughs> but but i think that uh be- i think that you can do work with a ghost and you can direct them to uh the light to to a higher level of consciousness really oh yes and and a great deal of work like that is done
0: um have you ever seen? Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's hold that question. We'll be right back to Elaine Stevens, and uh, we're sort of off track right now, but it is a very interesting track. And we'll be uh, taking telephone calls shortly. Stay right where you are. Here's something that's really affected my life, and not just mine, but my wife's too. My wife has asthma, and trust me on this. Our home is a different place since we turned on the Alpine system. Elaine, before the bottom of the hour. Um, What's the best actual evidence? In other words, have you ever asked anything, uh, anybody about a past life? Once you get into it and you're talking to somebody uh, or about getting memories of somebody who lived in a prior life, there ought to be things you can nail down, uh, descriptions of places or things that Elaine can then go investigate and yes. say, well, yes, my God, it's true. <laughs>
7: Yeah. When I first started doing past life regressions art, I spent more time at the library than I did in my office. I would do regressions, and I would think, how in heaven's name could they know that, or is that accurate? And I would run off to the library, and I would get the encyclopedias or whatever reference sort of books I needed. I bet. And uh, the dates would be correct. Uh, the things that had happened would be correct. I would think that's not how people dress then i would get books about uh, costume and dress in mm. different time periods mm-hmm. it would be totally accurate mm. but the real clue there's another clue that's more important than historical data and that's the feelings that people experience a truly meaningful past life regression is not a historical account it is a deeply moving emotional experience a memory of another time yes when we have lived and experienced things at many levels
0: well I guess a person would ask this about death if it is not the end uh, Elaine mm-hmm. and then then what you're talking about really is reincarnation it really is reincarnation or A word by any other name still is another life right that's right so its reincarnation and if you don't carry with you from one lifetime to another the consciousness that you enjoyed in the prior lifetime, then, uh, then in a sense you're not continuing.
7: Oh, but I think all of the gifts we have, I think that each of us has something special and shiny and bright about ourselves yes and that something special and shiny and bright something we do well an ability to communicate or be loving in the world those abilities have been honed and learned through many lives
0: but elaine that's more like a genetic memory than it is a consciousness uh on on that note we've got a break here at the bottom of the hour and we will come back to that point because i think it's a pretty important one if you're concerned about a continuation of consciousness at least uh uh, uh, I guess that's a bit better than the, uh, the switch in the off position. We'll be right back. Tired of the same old music?
5: You'll like our
1: This hour of Art Bell was recorded for rebroadcast at this time. Please do not call.
4: From the kingdom of nine, you're hearing Greenland with Art Bell. To participate in the program, call toll-free 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers, area code 702-727-1222, or the wildcard line at 702-727-1295. This is the CBC Radio Network. Yes, it is. Uh, Dave
0: in Chula Vista just sent me a fax and said, I just stated that my newsletter is $29.95 a month. If I did, he goes on inflation, really has arrived. It's not. (laughs) if I said that that's wrong it's 29.95 a year and it comes to you every month that's what I meant to say just 29.95 a year and the reason I'm emphasizing hitting it so hard today is the deadline is midnight tonight to get the one ordered that'll get you the new color Uh, we've got this great issue coming out you really ought not miss it the number to call is a year 29.95 a year the number to call for the Art Bell After Dark newsletter, before midnight, please, is 1-800-917-4278. 1-800-917-4278. Now, uh, pycnogenals, what are they? They're antioxidants. Um, That's believable.
7: Yeah, that, and they're not on this planet. Oh. Uh, uh, they, uh, Which kind of frightens me, I think. Did we really destroy it?
0: By twenty three hundred. Uh huh. Now you say many are not on this planet.
7: But and and then the other question is: Is this just uh, a possibility that's afforded to people at that point?
0: Um, I talk to people like uh, you probably heard Gordon Michael Scallion. Oh, of course. And uh, Mr. Scallion suggests that there are many possible futures, and that he that he will see them one brighter many times Mm -hmm. than another. Mm hmm is that true of the individual life course as well
7: i think so i think um many many years ago uh when i first started exploring all of these questions i was reading the seth material and one of the books called i believe it was the unknown reality uh by jane roberts and it was part of the seth material part of that series of books yes one of those books spoke of Uh, possible realities and people being shown if you stay on this course at this moment that you are on this is a possible outplay of that. This is what will become of you. Yes. If you change consciousness and choose to make some choices in how you live and how you conduct your life this is the outplay. All right.
0: People like Mr. Scallion um, do a more collective job on it. They say if humanity continues on its present course Mm -hmm. these incredible earth changes will occur and it leads me uh, to have to ask you have you taken anybody into a future life who has seen or hinted at these earth
7: changes no no I, I think that right at the moment that we live at right now is a critical point in the history of life on this planet.
0: Oh, I agree with that.
7: And I think that um, consciousness can be changed and raised, and the future can, in fact, change. I think that, obviously, you don't have to read very much or watch the news, but maybe one night a week, and come to the conclusion that we're on some sort of self-destruct course here.
0: Yes. Uh, So then why is the answer uh, to my previous question no in other words i would have thought uh, uh, given our present course unless you're telling us you know for sure there's going to be a change um, there is disaster ahead of one sort or another social or uh, earth changes or economic mm-hmm. or whatever and yeah. so why have you not found a hint of this from those people those future lives you've looked at
7: well, I I have never directed a group to a time before like 2300, and because you have to consider that while we are part of the mass of men, we are part of a collective consciousness, if you will, we are also individuals. And
0: uh, okay, but at, but but at 2300, you see a uh, very controlled uh, life. But you mm-hmm. you do see a life and you oh, said yes. and you said you see not all of those future lives at all on this planet. Yes. With with more of them gone than here?
7: It's hard to tell sometimes exactly where they are. The technology is so incredibly advanced. Uh the capabilities, you know, that have been developed are so advanced. And some of them are here. It's very, very different than what we can even conceive of now. You can
0: Give me a typical description. I mean, when you get somebody on earth and you get them into a future life, and let's say they're in 2300, what what is the kind of thing they would say to you? I, I see the following, or how, what would they say?
7: They have uh, before them uh, very often a control. You know how we have computers now mm-hmm. uh, that can do amazing things. Yes. I can't even work. Uh, a quarter or an eighth or a teeny part of what's on my computer. Yes. Um, But people seem to have these incredible control systems in front of them that operate a screen, and they can access knowledge or information. Hmm. Uh, They can make changes to their environment. Uh, There's a tremendous uh, uh, capability there at seemingly at the the fingertip of the individual
0: so in other words you're talking to people that are saying they are in control of their own environment and they have machines to do that interesting uh hold on elaine very very interesting and a bit of a different uh a possible future at least in the year 2300 <laughs> what a fascinating course we'll be uh, right back our guest is elaine stevens she's author of whispers of the mind and we're talking about past and future lives and a lot of related phenomenon. And uh, so we'll get uh, right back to her and take a couple of calls. Elaine, are you there? I'm here. All right. Well, here they come. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Elaine Stevens. Where are you calling from, please? Oh, Oklahoma. Welcome to the show.
9: Thank you. Um, Assuming that we all have had past lives, Mm -hmm. then I would also have to assume that we have probably all done really horrific things, and we have probably had terribly uh, horrible and frightening things done to us, like being murdered and things like that. Uh My question, then, is why would anybody want to go into a past life regression?
0: All right. So It's a good question. In other words, why are you doing it, Elaine?
7: (laughs) <laughs> well, I do it because I think that we are extremely complex beings, and it gives us a greater understanding of all of the facets of of who we are. Um, people do not remember horrific and horrible things unless perhaps uh, they're having that affect their life now, if you have a fear, say, of water. It may be that you have drowned in a past life.
0: Let's take an example. Let's say I did drown in my past life. Mm-hmm. Horrible way to die. Right. And trumped, very traumatic, and it's somehow affecting me in this life. When you take me into that past life and make me relive that moment of drowning, how do you help me?
7: What happens is I, I, number one, can't make you relive it. You will only relive or remember. What I want to. Yeah, what what you can handle.
0: All right, how will that help me? It'll
7: help you because knowledge is always power. And once you have that memory at a conscious level, Mm -hmm. it's only what we don't know of that controls us with fear. But once something is conscious, the fear is diffused, and somehow magically, and I wish I could tell you exactly how it works, but I can assure you that once you have the memory at a conscious level, you can the deal fear with it. is gone.
0: You can suddenly deal with it. You no, that suddenly d- deal with that it. That does make sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Elaine Stevens. Where are you calling from, please? Honolulu, Hawaii. Welcome to the show. Hey, uh, how's it going, Art? Okay, Elaine, I got a question for you.
3: Okay. okay is it possible through hypnotherapy to uh, revive latent psychic powers such
7: as levitation or some along those lines.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
7: Well, uh, it is through, uh, possible through hypnosis to revive latent uh, intuitive abilities. I think that we're all intuitive, and the more we learn to use that subconscious part of our mind, the more we open that ability up.
0: Is intuitive just another word for psychic? Psychic, yes, uh-huh. it is.
7: So, uh, but so... I have never been able to allow or encourage someone to levitate, and that would really be fun. <laughs>
0: Uh, It sure would. Caller, thank you. That was a very, very good question, and and I've got one to follow it up. Uh, Elaine, before the top of the hour here, Mm -hmm. uh, the ability to levitate, psychic abilities to, uh, you you know, this business about remote viewing and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah. These kinds of powers, do you believe, Elaine, that these powers are latent in us and, in fact, are becoming less with modern industrialized society or that these powers are developing now as we continue by our standards a very slow process of evolution in other words in other words are they coming or going
7: oh i think they're coming uh... we live in a very technologically oriented world and we have uh, removed ourselves from that aspect of our being and with awareness and consciousness, we can remember. That's another gift of remembering a past life, is you can remember skills and abilities.
0: Um, yeah, but why? Are, it seems to me we're we're masking them. You mentioned your computer. Oh, we do. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned your computer. I mean, when you're involved, as I am, in so much information and computers and things that are keeping your mind going, you're not in an intuitive mood.
7: No, you're not. But that's one one of the values of hypnosis is to provide ourselves to gift ourselves with that. With, with that that opportunity on a daily basis.
0: Oh, now, that makes sense.
7: Mm-hmm. If we do that, what happens, a direct result is, number one, our stress level goes down. right We can handle this this glut of information we swim in the sea of. And secondly, we remember we begin to remember who we truly are and we, I believe, are are first and foremost spiritual beings and we connect with that very beautiful part of ourselves By disconnecting from the technology just briefly
0: all right well that that absolutely makes sense and brings out another question stay where you are we're at the top of the hour don't forget you've got to order this uh, newsletter by midnight to get the next issue it's 1-800-917-4278 don't blow that off 1 800-917-4278 we'll be right back
4: Kingdom of Nye. We continue with your calls on Dreamland with Art Bell. Call Art now toll-free at 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-TALK. First-time callers, area code 702-727-1222, 702-727-1222, or the wildcard line at area code 702-727-1295, 727-1295, in the 702 area code. Now again, here's Art Bell. Here I am,
0: and back to Elaine Stevens in just a moment, and a question from St. Thomas all the way out in the Virgin Isle- U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, Let me talk to you for 3-8. All right. Elaine, are you there? I'm here. Good. From St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgins. Uh, Dear Art Bell, has your noble guest read the Spy Magazine 895 article about mind control?
7: Gee, no, I'm sorry. I haven't.
0: Okay. Um, I've not either, so I guess we can't do much uh, with that. From uh, Joe in Sutherland, Oregon. Hi, Art. Uh, Could you ask your guest two questions? One are there souls which are which are older than other souls
7: um that's uh yes there there probably are there i don't believe that there is anyone on this planet at this time who's never been here before is a brand new soul i think the vibration that we live in is too intense and i don't think that someone who hadn't practiced being in this vibration could handle it
0: uh so there are no there are no new souls I don't think so. Not right now. Not right now. Mm -mm. Um, Are our lives always linear? Or when we die, could we come back in the past as well as the future?
7: Ooh. Oh, good question. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure I know the answer to that one. Uh, back to Einstein. Well, that's a
0: good answer. Look, if you don't know the answer, yeah. I, don't, I don't want you to even try, and I agree with you, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. But, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, have you found through your subjects any so-called order to how, who, and when we return to this corporeal life, and if this process is voluntary by those quote, brought back, end quote, question mark.
7: Yes, uh, there is a a process involved. It seems uh, from many of the sessions I've done that uh, the person, uh, the soul, there is a meeting uh, with master beings, if you will. Yes. And the lessons that need to be learned are discussed. And the person uh, 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 chooses the group of people they will uh, have as family, as friends, uh, people who will affect them deeply, and they put themselves back into a situation where all of that is possible.
0: All right. Now I'm going to get you into trouble, I'm sure. Oh, good. Um, from the Bible, and I don't frequently quote it, uh, Hebrews 9:27. Mm-hmm.
1: uh
0: it is appointed for men to die once, but after this comes the judgment. It doesn't say anything about coming back again
7: well then we have to go to the council of Nicaea, uh... when all reference to reincarnation was removed from the bible uh... because it's very difficult to control people who believe that in fact they will are learning to protect themselves and will come again
0: all right um... back to the phones uh... east of the rockies you are on the air with elaine stevens good good evening
5: yes hello i'm calling from austin texas yes sir and i had two questions.
10: First of all, um, how does she explain the fact that there's more people on earth today than have ever died in the history of the world? Mm-hmm. And second of all, what is the ultimate point? If we keep on coming back and back to learn certain lessons, to progress to what?
7: To a form of uh, perfection or godliness or whatever. Well, This I'll... is a schoolhouse. I kind of view... Uh, these lives that we live as an opportunity to uh... learn it's a schoolhouse
0: it's a schoolhouse Mm -hmm. uh... toward the eventual goal of perfection Yes. all right now now is first question it's a a
7: long way from that
0: point well your the first question he gave you uh... was a good one and that is uh, there's a lot of people. Caller, how many? Five, six billion people. Uh, yeah, roughly six billion like a billion. Uh, so there are new people here all the time. More people. If there are no new souls, then obviously the question is, where are these souls coming from?
7: Well, consider that at the moment of creation, whatever that might be, and now we're really getting out there, but there were X number of souls created. We have the history of the world as we know it based on what we know now. That's true. But we don't really have the whole history of the world. Uh, we have little 10,000-year gaps in the history of the world. Boy, it's true. And so uh, it's hard to say, oh, well, absolutely, this is concrete, and it couldn't be so. I don't know. I really don't know oh, it's what really it is. So.
0: It's a good answer, though, and it's at least an answer. Uh, thank you, caller. Okay, thank you. All right. um, It is an answer. In other words, we don't know the composition. There are a lot of people, Elaine, who believe that the world um, has had at various times civilizations on it, Mm -hmm. um, been populated to the degree we are now or even to a greater degree, and they have literally disappeared. Vanished, exactly. Vanished. So you think that could be?
7: That it, it makes more sense to me than anything else, but obviously we have no way of proving that. It's, it's uh, one more interesting theory.
0: <laughs> West of the Rockies, hi. You're on the air with Elaine Stevens.
6: Yes, good evening, Art and Elaine. Where are you, sir? I can answer that one easy enough. All right. Uh, oh, <laughs> I can't tell you who I am. That's fine. uh, 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 uh out of Chico, California. Okay. Elaine, the way I understand or seem to equate what is going on, seems like we're in constant turmoil with ourselves. We have a biological birth to which uh, we follow DNA, genetics, and we go on and we live a routine, okay? We call that family traits. Then on the other hand, We have what we are like discussing tonight, past lives, which we could have been from anywhere. And then when we live the present, the conscious, we are in turmoil and do not know. Things that I do have, I wish I could sidebar with you. I'd love to tell you who I am or have been told and where we could explore this.
5: Well, uh, we could do not that. Not over the air. We could do that without the
0: court reporter, perhaps. <laughs> I don't right. this, Well, anyway, I, does I, all I this don't take this lightly, Art. If I, I, I understand. To, does this oh, come, oh. sir? Does this come to a point? Do you have a question for her?
6: What does she feel about uh, the idea of, like I said, the the conscious versus the physical entity? And yet we're in, in turmoil. I mean, the physical entity. We, like so we live a DNA trait versus the complex and the confusion that we're subconsciously see this is where i can't put it together how this soul comes well if you can't put it together point.
0: then oh uh, then we're having a hard time getting it i'm i'm not clear on the question are you elaine
7: no i'm not yet
6: i said this is a little more involved than just a
0: three minute over the air uh all right i'll tell you what do this uh elaine uh, he needs to write you a letter or mm-hmm. get his thoughts together, talk to you in some other way. Now, right. uh, obviously, you've got a book, uh, Whispers of the Mind. That's a great title, by the way. Thank you. It implies, uh, let me guess at what it implies, that these whispers in, in our current mind come from past or future lives. Is mm-hmm. that is that where that came from?
7: Yes. I sat up one night until midnight with a friend who is a writer uh conjuring up that title, and we hit on that and loved it.
0: You conjured very well. Uh, <laughs> Thank all r- you. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a book myself, and I'm trying to think of a title, and it's no easy job.
7: No, it's not.
0: Okay. Um How do they get Whispers of the Mind, or how do they get in contact with you?
7: Well, uh Whispers of the Mind is no longer available in bookstores. It's been that horrible world uh, for an author, remaindered, so uh, what they need to do is contact me personally. I have copies available. Okay. And I can be reached at P.O. Box 477, Virginia City, Nevada, 89440. And my phone number, if anyone would like to call... No, in.
0: wait a minute. Hold it. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to let you give out your phone number, but I want you to be aware that you're giving this number to a lot of people. So, uh, Won't
7: that be fun?
0: <laughs> go right ahead. The phone number <laughs> is... Area code 702-322-5788.
7: Uh-huh. 5788.
0: Eight. Mm-hmm. 702-322-5788. Yes. And you're in Virginia City, Nevada.
7: Yes. My office is in Reno, but uh, I'm in Virginia City.
0: Well, there you go. <laughs> I hope you like being on the phone.
7: Uh, yes, I love it.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, first time caller line, you're on the air with Elaine Stevens. Hi.
8: Hi. Where are you? I'm calling from California.
0: Okay. Just to- turn, turn your radio off, please.
8: I did, just now. All right, good. I hope you're still on the line. I just dropped my phone.
0: Yes. <laughs> this
8: is an extremely interesting evening that you're having. Yes. And um, I certainly can identify with a lot of things that she's talking about. I have been there and have been told that I'm a very old soul, and there are things that I know. I'm a teacher by profession. Uh, I have done an awful lot of other things by choice, and I have developed a a very working inner life that has been more uh, instructive because there are things I know that I have no way of knowing in my present state that I know, if you understand what I mean, mm-hmm. in recall of facts, figures, blah, blah, blah. My question is, I'm an adopted person. Uh-huh. Now we're going into a whole different segment of society plus the fact of abortion.
7: Mm-hmm.
8: And so how do we reconcile the fact of her statement a while ago that we choose the environment into which we uh, go to live. Well, uh, I can say to you
7: that being adopted has probably affected your life at deeper levels than probably any other event you've experienced. And I think at a soul level, you chose not to live with your natural mother or father uh, in this incarnation. And you chose to do that because in the circumstances you would be placed through the adoption, those things that both they and you needed to learn could be learned. Mm. And furthermore, that your mother, your your natural mother, who for whatever reason was not able to keep you and raise you, she too was affected at such deep, deep levels. Um, and it, it, it's, to me, a further indication of the fact that there is a tremendous oh rhythm or rhyme or reason for the things we experience.
0: Okay. I've got another hard one for you now. Oh goody. Um yeah, I bet. Um uh, most of us uh on the planet lead fairly mundane lives. I uh-huh. mean very few of us are President Nixon or uh, <laughs> thank God. Or or President Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um uh, maybe we just learned about your politics. I I didn't hear no God after that. Uh, or for that matter, any of. thought thing. I better shut up. Yes. In other words, we're not great people. We're we're, we're good people, most of us, but not mm-hmm. great. And a lot of these people who call themselves channelers. Oh yes. I love uh, them. or sometimes hypnotherapists uh, inevitably <laughs> will tell people that seems to please stuff that pleases them. You know, you were Peter the Great in, right. a, in a previous lifetime. And there's too much of that going on. It is suspicious,
7: frankly. It makes me suspicious. Makes me irritated. I'm glad you're only suspicious. I see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, once again, my feeling is uh, one of our little problems as humans is that we have wonderful egos. Yes. And some of us love to have those egos fed, spoon-fed minute by minute. And Mm -hmm. if we can find someone... Uh, who closes their eyes and changes their voice a bit and starts warbling about uh, yes. some great and wonderful thing that we once were. Yes. Uh, we're very happy to pay them a lot of money to hear that. That's
0: right. We just soaked that right up. All right, Elaine, that's <laughs> a good answer to the question. Uh, stay right where you are. We'll be right back. Elaine Stevens is my guest. Many of you healthy zero. Back now to Elaine Stevens. Are you there, Elaine? I'm right here with you. All right. Well, you've been you've been really good because I've been hitting you with some really hard stuff. Well, thank you. It's kind of like uh, w- when your son or daughter begins asking you how high is the sky. <laughs> These are not easy questions. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Elaine Stevens. Hi.
5: Hi. How you doing? Fine. Where uh, are you? Uh, St. Louis, Missouri. All right. Alright, I think the movie you might have been talking about earlier was Manchin Candidate. Uh, thank you.
7: That's it. I remember that.
5: Very good movie. <laughs> um, I was gonna talk about this past life progression. I've done a couple of things in reference to that. You were talking about mirrors, and I don't know if you're talking about, uh, you were talking about candles, and there's a thing that you can do with a mirror next to you, and you stare at the candle, and you keep your eyes open for about 45 minutes, and in that, I started to fall asleep, but before I did, I saw an old Chinese man. I also did uh, hypnotherapy with a man named Santosh. I don't know if you're familiar with him. And in that, I saw myself as an African chief. Now, the strict, strange thing with many wives, and the strange thing about that, I went to Bombay about a year later, and I saw a man by the name of what well, he's called the shadow reader. And uh, what he is, he's a direct descendant of Bragu, who lived at the time of um, Krishna. And what he does is he measures your shadow. And in that, he saw that my past two lives, I was an African chief with 300
0: wives. And oh, you wives. know, here we go. Now, see, this <laughs> is a perfect example of what I was just talking about. An African chief, not a, not not one of the tribe, but the chief with 300 wives. Yes. Now, to me, this sounds more like a fantasy than it does but a real past life.
5: Could I say one thing, though? Yes, I sure. I have seen this a year before when i was out in california uh-huh. and i went to a man in bombay and i I never said anything to this man before he was a hindu yeah. and he said exactly the same thing That's, that was the interesting part well, of that it that is interesting you're, and of I've, all the past lives who would ever even think of anything like that
0: yeah well you're absolutely right I, I have one question for you about sure. this
5: life uh, are you married i used to be married used to be married <laughs> <laughs> alright right. one other thing you were talking about in reference to the light there's there's two very good books and one man who you would be? Be great to have a guest on, which is Carlos Castaneda, which talked he, he talked exactly yes, about yes, what you're I, talking uh, about. Yeah, oh yes, I've
0: I've read him, of course.
5: And uh, if you read if you read it, and did you read the Fire from Within? Uh, not yet. Uh, I read that, and he will talk to you about uh, seeing a uh, light and everything else. All right, all right, said, sir.
0: I've got to run. Thank you very much for the call. My point was, uh, with that much experience with marriage, you think in this life he might not be. <laughs> um, so is that not an example? I mean, an African chief with 300 wives. Uh, one other question, real quick, quick answer, too. A lot of people say people are given to flights of fancy, uh, fantasy, uh, when they're uh, under hypnosis, Elaine. True or false? False. Not true, huh? Not true. I Really, uh, there have been a number of books written. Uh, of course, it implies that, uh, hypnotherapy is not trustworthy
7: well what's not trustworthy is something that comes externally what is truly trustworthy is what comes from within us and uh just as i if i wanted to tell tall tales i could sit and tell them to you uh out of hypnosis i could do the same thing in hypnosis
0: well that's certainly but true. what
7: would be the point you well, know well
0: uh, well um all right uh, we'll have to pick up on that when we come back which we will do in just a moment
1: of Art Bell was recorded for rebroadcast at this time. Please do not call.
4: We continue now with your calls to Dreamland with Art Bell from the Kingdom of Nine. We do, and uh, let's see, I guess the only number I need to get out again
0: is our East of the Rockies number. It's not normally on the tapes for Dreamland. If you're East of the Rockies, it's 1-800- eight two five five zero three three one eight hundred eight two five five zero three three our bulletin board now all right uh elaine back now to elaine stevens and elaine uh jim in boise idaho has a question all right straight out have we made contact with intelligent life in the year 2300 <laughs>
7: of course of course well Um, With intelligent life, I presume he means uh, from other planetary systems?
0: I certainly presume that, yes. Yes, yes. We have. Mm -hmm. Is there anything at all that you can tell us about them?
7: Uh, I think that they are the same beings that we have contact with in this time. Um, I think that we become more receptive. I know that when I've guided people to past lives um, to places such as Atlantis or... Atlantis, one regression comes to mind very clearly, and that was of a man who um, was a sculptor, and in that lifetime, he is a sculptor, now he teaches art at a major university, mm-hmm. and in that previous lifetime in Atlantis, he did a sculpture uh, that w- was conducted in, uh, via water throughout the city. Uh, And in this lifetime, he was directed at a subconscious level to do a sculpture uh, created of crystals, and that was in the air. And in his memory in Atlantis, there were meetings held, and there were beings from many planetary systems present within those meetings.
0: Well, so when you said, of course, what you really meant is we've been in contact for a long time. Forever. Yeah. All right. Uh... Dear Art, this is from Wally in Albuquerque. Please ask Elaine, and and I'm going to try again on this one too, why it is that by and large we don't have any memories of past lives in our conscious minds. We hear talk of reincarnating because we need more experience in one realm or another. Who says we need more experience in one area or another? And if we don't consciously remember past lives, how do we know what we're supposed to be working on
7: and I suppose your answer would be by coming to somebody like you (laughs) that would be a wise thing to do or getting of course a copy of my book which tells you how to explore past lives Uh, but consider once again we go to the subconscious the memories are in the subconscious and if we had conscious recall of all of our past lives, we would be in a terrible jumble.
0: Uh, Well, you know, that's true, Elaine, but again, I say, we discussed it earlier in the program. Mm -hmm. You know, you said it it can't be like throwing a switch off. You know, you die, boom, that's it. Blackness. But in a way it is. Uh, You you may survive in the sense that you live on in others' minds who are living, Uh, you have offspring, uh, they survive you, and it may be that your soul contributes to your next life in some esoteric way, mm-hmm. but but you but you're not conscious uh, as as I understand consciousness right now. Uh, you and I are sitting here talking. We're conscious. We know what's going on around us. In that sense, in the next life, you're telling me, on the one hand, we are conscious, but on the other, we're not. Well, which is it?
7: <laughs> tough one, tough one pushing me to the wall yeah so. that's
0: right i'm I'm sure
7: okay, um, I think that consciousness um it can mean many things, and i I have consciousness of a uh, a conscious memory of many many past lives uh, i know, I know but you've dug them exactly, and I've done so because uh, because it's helpful to me in the present
0: well all right is <laughs> uh would you advise the average person who's having an average life, and they're okay, you know, no <laughs> horrible habits or anything, mm-hmm. no, nothing really wrong, is there any reason for them to go rummaging back into past lives?
7: Well, I think so, because if we're just having an ordinary life, as you say, and we're just sort of rocking along, uh, I personally would like to know that uh, there is more to me than the fact that I went to the grocery store this afternoon and got food for the barbecue to and that I did you know, all these mundane things. I I hope to think that there is dimensions to me that I need to explore and I need to expand my creative abilities and I need to expand my mind in as many ways as I can. We get kind of locked into that mundane stuff, and that's dangerous.
0: Okay. Um, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Elaine Stevens. Good evening.
10: Hi, Art. Uh, I, we must have some sort of conscious blink going on here right now because I've I want to, uh, touch on a, or make a comment directed to your guest. Alright, where are you, Bob? Uh, Poto, Oklahoma, and okay. it was somewhat what you just touched on, uh, <clears throat> concerning reincarnation. It's, um, it has been said that we are remnants from the very first man, and it is consistent throughout the Bible, which I don't, <clears throat> don't want to really bring that up too much, but, That there are things passed down from generation to generation to generation, good and bad. Mm -hmm. Now, in the subconscious level, which uh, I believe exists, I could or anybody can tap into any past life from anybody.
5: I don't get it. I don't get it either.
10: Meaning that that if things if from the very first if one if we descended from one being oh
0: oh I see
10: and we're that is passed down and passed down in other words like a giant tree now the thing that I want to get uh, make you know are we reincarnating memories uh-huh. and I believe personally I believe that we have to be very careful in that area because we might bring something back into this life we might not want to
0: deal with good point thank you um from oklahoma elaine is it possible uh that a past life a past incarnation uh could virtually possess uh, uh is there that danger that uh, no. are you sure when you open doors um you never know what's no, going to walk I through
7: absolutely uh Absolutely, this is one of the uh, sort of little sore points with me because people we approach any new knowledge with a certain amount of trepidation or fear sure and if we will just remember that knowledge erases fear, how could our mind if you broke your arm uh a month ago, yes, you would not be able to recreate with your mind the pain from that that you experienced at the moment of the break that's
0: um I did break my arm on it.
7: Oh dear! <laughs> um,
0: many years ago. Uh, um, but but you really are correct. I remember, of course, the occasion uh, very and, and the pain. But I cannot.
7: You can't recreate it. No,
0: that's true. That's
7: because true. Because your mind is designed to protect you, and 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 the same thing holds true. I can't go rummaging in your mind, nor can you, and discover things that would be hurtful to you now. Your mind is designed, it is, it is designed by uh, something far beyond what we can even conceive of to protect us and to support us and to help us. And the minute we set up this, oh, what if I remember I'm Attila the Hun, or what if I remember these horrible things? Mm. Well, of course, you're, you're, you know, I don't want to recreate for you the pain in your arm, and I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that as a hypnotist.
0: You know, though, it's interesting. I've seen hypnotherapists uh, depicted on television, and maybe they do a bad job on uh, hypnotherapists just the way they do on so many other things, but Mm -hmm. they do make people recreate that moment and feel it just as if they were there once again. Oh. What do you say to that?
7: I say that, yes, uh, a lot of people go into... uh, to explore a past life, and they find themselves very emotionally moved, and they find themselves weeping and re-experiencing something at a deep emotional level. But once again, here's our fear:
0: What about pain. What, what, about, and
7: what about What about if they kill you?
0: Yeah, what if Elaine took me back to that moment when I crashed in my hang glider, which is how, how I did it, and the the big arm came down about two inches above my uh, my elbow. And broke my arm, but good. Compound fracture. Ooh. Ooh is right. So (laughs) if Elaine took me back to that moment and I I relived that experience, would I relive that pain? No. No.
7: Your mind, just, you can't sit here now and take, you know. Not not
0: now. Not on the conscious level. You're correct.
7: I (laughs) try. But even at a subconscious level, no.
0: Okay. Well, okay. That's a good answer. Uh, First time caller line, you're on the air with Elaine Stevens. Hi.
9: Uh, hi, Art. Uh, Bonnie in Alaska.
0: Yes, hi, Bonnie.
9: Hi. Uh, Where in Alaska are you? Um, first off, uh, I'm a person who's been through uh, past life regression and have verified one lifetime.
7: Okay, good.
9: And I'm curious
7: your time as to
9: how unusual that is. Um, is there like a percentage of people that you have worked with that um, that have have experienced that?
7: Uh, it's very unusual, Bonnie, because what happens is we connect to the past life generally uh, at a at an emotional level as opposed to as I said a historical data level um, but I have had a number of people who've been able to do that um, after i as I said earlier in the show, after I got through going to the library, I had enough cases authenticated to my to to resolve the problem for me are they making this stuff up and the answer was no i did enough research to prove that and i no longer go to the library because it's no longer that's not the issue that's not why people explore past lives but it's kind of wonderful for you yeah well, that I, had to, I had
9: authentic. to try am sure it was for real yeah uh, and i was able to verify this one uh-huh. but i i had one more quick question um I am one of those people that can be dropped down into the subnambulistic state.
7: Uh-huh. And uh, I have You'll a theory, I, to I a wanted to ask you,
9: I had one lifetime I experienced that was Japanese.
7: Uh-huh.
9: Is it true? Is it possible? This is my own theory. Okay. That if I could go back and, and go through that lifetime in a subnambulistic state, that I should be able to speak fluent Japanese. With right
0: on. Good yeah, question. Oh, I, she would be able to? Probably. Where are you calling from in Alaska? Wasilla, Alaska. Wasilla, Alaska. That's a that's a very, very good question. Have you ever observed that ability?
7: Yes, I've had people lapse into uh, German. Was the language that uh, my client lapsed into, and uh, I would ne- I would repeatedly throughout the session needed to say to him, Please speak in English. I do not understand German. And he would revert back to English. Wow. And then as he got involved emotionally in what was happening again, he would begin speaking German.
0: See, I consider that to be, you could do enough research to know the person couldn't speak German. And I'm telling oh, you, if yeah. I suddenly started hearing German, mm-hmm. the hairs on the back of my neck would go straight
7: out. They did. They so, did. The uh, hairs on the back of my neck stood straight out.
0: All right. <laughs> East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Elaine Stevens. Hi. I can barely hear you.
1: Hi. can you hear me better now?
0: A little. Where are you?
1: Oklahoma.
0: Oklahoma. Okay. What's your question? Honey? Um.
1: What is your guest? Uh. What are his beliefs about abortion?
0: Uh. All right. Quickly, Elaine. About abortion. Yeah. What happens to a soul that is? Uh, what? Well. <laughs>
7: Where a termi- uh, pregnancy is terminated.
0: When does life begin? In other words, let's begin there. All right.
7: Mm. one again.
0: Uh. Is the soul with uh, uh, with a child at the moment of conception, is that your belief?
7: I believe that a soul has connected and decided to be born through that woman into that family. I do not believe that that soul uh, is in that body. I think they dance in and out, you know, and connect probably uh, at the moment of birth or very shortly thereafter. Um, I don't want to get into the whole issue of abortion.
0: No, uh, I appreciate the straightforward answer, yeah. and I, I, with on that, we disagree. Uh, Elaine, hold on just a moment. We're right back to you. My guest is Elaine Stevens. The subject: future and past lives.